You are listening to Discover, a podcast from the DIS Team Ministry. Hello and welcome to this Discover podcast from DIS Team Ministry. I am the Reverend Maggie Swayze, the Assistant Priest, and with me today are the Rector, Tony Billet, and one of our LLMs, Janice Cruz. This is our final Lent podcast, and over the past weeks, we have been discussing together how uh, aspects of our lives uh, inspire our prayer life. We've looked at the Bible, at creation, at art and holy places, and today we're going to look at books. Now, briefly, my address on Sunday Um, came to the subject in three directions. I said that books could be used to inspire us to prayer, whether connected to art, uh, creation, the Bible, or holy places. And indeed, the final reading from Wind in the Willows could have been used by John last week, talking about holy places. Then I used book characters to help us to see ourselves better, our shortcomings and our good points. And in that, we can come honestly to God, warts and all. Finally, I shared some of the books that I have found useful. But I'm going to now go to Tony and ask him what books he has found useful to inspire him to pray better. Thank you, Maggie, and good morning to everyone. Well, I guess lots of books have been helpful to me over my lifetime. But for me, the thing that has spoken most in these podcasts is just how various and different prayer can be. Prayer is as different as each individual person doing the praying. Uh, We all have preferences. Some of us like something. Some of us don't like some things. It's just who we are. And therefore, the books that have helped me most in praying have been those that have tried to centre me on my own preferences and my own styles. What is it that I like? And more importantly, why? What is it about what I like that leads me to pray more? And to that end, my first book that I'm going to suggest to people, it's actually an American book, but it, it's, it's a good one to get. It's called Prayer and Temperament. Prayer and Temperament. Uh, and it's by uh, Chester Michael and Marie Norrissey. And it's based on the Jungian understanding of how humans are. Jung back in the early part of the 20th century, observed that all human beings gather information in one of two ways, either through their senses or through their perceiving. And people will be one or the other, more or less one or the other, although, of course, they can change. And then as they gather information, they then judge that information either through the prism of thinking it through logically and how it corresponds to their understanding of the world and their logic, or from their gut, from their heart, 
and how it makes them feel. Over the years, there have been variations of that. And at certain times in history, one of those two opposites has been more present and powerful than the other. At the moment, I think we live in what might be called a feely world. Uh, so how we feel is possibly the one that causes us to make judgments about things. But it wasn't always so. In previous ages, it was much more logical and rational. But either way, this book, Prayer and Temperament, tells us that these are the things which will decide unconsciously how we will respond to that which we experience. And ultimately, the argument goes that, that actually they're all part of praying. So that if you say, well, what's your preferred prayer style? Um, people would look back at you blankly and say, I don't understand the question. I just pray, I just do it. And in that sense, it, it is true. Prayer is the next thing to breathing. We don't say, am I going to breathe now? And if we, if we ch chose to say that, then we would be dead in no time. Rather instead, we just do it. And therefore there's something quite instinctive about prayer. We're, we're praying all the time. But sadly, over the years, certain opposites that I've just described often uh, have dominated and made it seem like certain forms of being, certain forms of praying are wrong and other forms are right. Well, I think hopefully we've got to a stage now where we realise that there's no such thing as right praying or wrong praying that actually they are all just praying. And I think what this podcast series has taught us, if anything, is that we will each need to find what, what is our preferred style and trust it and go with it. Maybe, yes, trying some of the things that we're instinctively not keen on, because I think that can be a benefit. But on the whole, we stick to the ones that we're naturally drawn to, because that requires less energies than those that demand too much of us. So I think for me, this book, Prayer and Temperament, is a book that has helped so much to give everyone permission to be themselves and to strengthen their prayer life by just simply being who they are, rejoicing, and occasionally, when they're feeling strong, to have a go at one of the opposites that's not necessarily them. Has that confused you, Maggie? No, not at all. Myers-Briggs is one of the things that obviously resonates with this, and possibly the Enneagram as well, for those who who know about those things. Also, um, I was thinking of books written by, and I can't remember his first name, Bryant. Christopher Bryant. Christopher Bryant. He comes at you from a Jungian perspective. Yeah. And I, I mean, I was trying to say that in, in a very simple form on Sunday, saying that we have to know ourselves. We know what we are, we know our strengths, our weaknesses, and what we 
whether we're a Tigger or an Eeyore, you know. So, yes. Um, Janice, how does this resonate with you, what Tony has said? Does it help you at all? I must be. I'm sitting here thinking I don't really do books on prayer because the books that I go for aren't necessarily on prayer. They're books and other things that can inspire prayer. So, for instance, I'm currently working my way rather slowly through a book that Tony actually recommended to me some time ago, The Splash of Words, Believing in Poetry, which is very deep. I mean, it really is deep, so it's not an easy read. But, I mean, again, it is a lot about prayer and about faith in connection with poetry. And I've already discovered in this at least a couple of poets that I want to now look at because I'd never heard of them. So it's already encouraging me to look further. Of course, um, I do love books on art and you know, Sister Wendy, her books on art, which inspire prayer, that really helps me. But I was also thinking about novels, whether novels can help us in prayer. And I don't read many novels, I must admit, but I have read a few by a writer called Sally Vickers. And the one that particularly is relevant here is Mr. Golightly's Holiday. Now, this was published quite some years ago. I don't know, Tony's smiling, perhaps he's um, come across this book. But it, it's, it's a really fascinating book. It's a novel about this man called Mr. Golightly. And the plot is basically that he wrote a bestseller years ago, but his reputation is in decline, finds himself badly out of touch with the modern world, decides to take a holiday, and it's about the people he meets and the interactions with the people and how it affects him and them. He comes to know his neighbours better, begins to examine his attitude towards love and to ponder the terrible catastrophe of his only son's death. That might give you a clue as to who Mr. Golightly is, actually. And it's a really fascinating novel. And the thing with Sally Vickers, she writes these novels which seem quite ordinary on the surface but very multi-layered and you can see so much in them. And it gives you a really different view of God, actually, this book. You, you know, he's, he's a man on a holiday in the country, in British countryside, a man of a certain age. It, it's, it's just really quite fascinating. And that, I think, can be an inspiration to prayer in a different way. But I did so love the fact you mentioned Wind in the Willows on Sunday. Thank you. Um, because I, I was making notes as you were talking, because I thought I need to make some notes to remind myself for today. 
And I'd already written down Wind in the Willows. And when you read that wonderful bit with Pan, oh, I, I just find that incredible. And it just, because I, I feel very much that God is the God of all creation and he cares for all creation, that just resonates with me, that wonderful passage. I just tell you that passage, that chapter is often left out. Of the yes, book. it is. Yeah, I know. It's it's really sad because it's such a wonderful passage. Uh, just to say, I didn't enjoy Wind in the Willows as a child, and I I still don't particularly enjoy it now. It it, it in fact left me cold, and that was no fault of the person who was reading it. But I can quite understand why lots of people, including Janice, love it because it appeals to those who absorb their information from the world, from creation, and then rejoices in it. it, it, it what Janice is describing in, in many ways is what's known as the Franciscan spirituality that, that's based purely on those sort of things that you've just mentioned. But in, if I may just offer a, an observation about something else that Janice said, um, my book that I've recommended to people, Prayer and Temperament, is not, I repeat, not a book about prayer as such. It's essentially a book about temperament. And the claim in this book is not that you're going to learn much about the techniques of prayer, because you won't. What it tells you is how to unlock yourself, your awarenesses. And um, I don't know who said it, but I wish it was me because I think it's the best comment <laughs> I've ever heard. Let me now say it. It's not my creation. But someone once said, there's no such thing as prayer. Only people praying. I will repeat that phrase because it's worth repeating. There's no such thing as prayer, only people praying. And, and I think that's rather clever, but it's also true. And it's basically saying that we each are drawn to relate to the creator God and to his son Jesus in the way that we are naturally built so to do. And we don't choose it. There's no sense of choosing, I'm now going to pray. No, no, it doesn't work like that. We are praying all the time by being who we are. It's true that as fallen human beings, we sometimes have to learn to expand who we are. And being in this world is a great opportunity to do that, to expand our horizons, we often say. Um, and therefore, it's absolutely essential that someone like me, uh, that's pretty useless at observing things through my senses. I mean, I don't, I don't look properly. I don't listen properly. I don't taste properly. I just bulldoze my way through it. But it, it, it's actually quite important for me to stop and watch. Because most of the time I do it all by intuition. I'm good at my intuition, very good in fact, but, but if I'm to be a whole person, I need to learn to do some of the other. Um, and, and, and I think that's why it's good to read things that perhaps we wouldn't naturally choose to read, but we only do it when we feel strong enough 
I remember another book that I'm going to recommend with just a one word uh, title called Awareness um, by probably one of the 20, 20th century greatest spiritual writers, actually, um, Anthony DeMello, uh, a, 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 a fascinating man who was born in the East, is a, 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 from the Indian subcontinent, but became a, a Roman Catholic priest and spent most of his life uh, working in the West. But the fusion of the Eastern world with the Western world is part of his, his writing. And this book called Awareness is a really good book to introduce people to praying, but the word prayer does not appear probably anywhere in the book because it's basically saying that we're called to just simply be aware of God working in our lives. And that is another good description for prayer. Finally, and then I'll shut up, I often get into trouble with people because people who come to see me for spiritual direction and who want to be um, able to grow in their faith uh, find it very disappointing that another book I recommend they read if they've never read it before is titled The Velveteen Rabbit. The Velveteen Rabbit. If you've never read it, it's very short. It's not long. It's the story of a toy rabbit who becomes real. Um, people get quite offended because they read it and think, what's this got to do with prayer? And the answer is it's got everything to do with prayer. But, um, well, there you are. I'm not going to say any more about it, really, just to say uh, I would hope everyone reads it because it will take you all of 10 minutes to read. But it's, it's, it's loaded, loaded with a, an invitation to come close to God and to understand how God comes close to us. Um, and it will therefore be enlightening of one for one's prayer. When I was thinking about that address, um, I did think of novels, but nothing came to me at all. Because, um, as I said in my sermon, the, the sort of books that I read are John le Carré, etc., that they don't really inspire me to prayer. And the other thing I thought was the books that are on my bookshelves, theological books, um, books, you know, about saints, etc., they are all attempting to lead you to prayer because they're trying to help you to come to a better understanding of God, I think. Going back to what Tony was saying, I mean, I think my perspective, because the books that I recommended on Sunday are being able to see the world and be aware. For example, Michelle Coist's prayers, I, I quoted the brick because it was just a short one, but some of his prayers go much deeper. And they are about seeing God in the everyday. And, and so those books I found quite inspiring. And the one that I recommended by Margaret Silk, that is the best book that I have found because it, it looks at all aspects of, of how you could come to prayer. Um, looking at the world, looking at nature, Lectio Divino, it, it 
goes through all, all those aspects. I don't know, Janice, if you've got any other... I know you do love poetry very much. Mm. Maybe, are there any poets you would particularly recommend us to read? I know you like Horace Thomas. Yes, Horace Thomas is, <laughs> I must admit, the go-to person in many ways. Um, I've, I've found some interesting ones in this book that... Um, the splash of words. I mean, people I'd never come across before. Uh, but also, the, the interesting thing with the novels, I say, I don't read many novels. I think possibly I was recommended to, it might have been Mr. Go Lightly's Holiday, or it might have been another book by Sally Vickers called Miss Garnet's Angel. I think it's also interesting because they're by a writer who would not claim to be religious at all. Um, in fact, she was brought up by communist parents. So, you know, totally the opposite of the church. But she has this interest in religion. So Mr. Golightly's holiday, I say it's, it's really God, is Mr. Golightly. Miss Garnet's angel, you've got Tobit and the angel as part of the, of the story. And um, I think, you know, the, the idea that you can be inspired to prayer from unusual angles and from different places, not the predictable, you know, religious books type thing, it sort of appeals to me, I suppose, that, you know, something totally different can, actually inspire that that prayer oh yes i mean obviously uh, a lot of allegorical books aren't there c.s lewis and his narnia yes books. yeah they do say harry potter <laughs> well yes because harry potter is about good and evil it's very very moral actually very moral and you've got good and evil really strongly portrayed in that I was just thinking, um, again, it's not my original idea. It, I pinched it from somewhere else, so it's not me. But I, I, I often, when speaking with people about prayer, often refer to people being um, like a house with many different sorts of windows. Um, so, so, for example, um, the obvious one when it comes to praying is uh, stained glass windows, where a bit like windows you find in a church, um, that are full of Bible stories. I mean, the Bible is absolutely wonderful for helping people to pray because you just read the stories particularly and, and they evoke so many things inside you that, that they're very useful, but they're not the only way to help people pray. And in all of us, there are other sorts of windows, like, for example, a picture window. You know, many houses have a have a, a picture window that you look out on into a garden and you see God's creation and you see all sorts of wonderful things. But also that might include things like imagination. Um, I think a picture window is trying to imagine things. And if you can use your imagination, some people can't, but some people have very large picture windows. They have the ability to imagine all sorts of possibilities. But there again, there are other windows in some houses 
that have what I would call bay windows, that they that you can go and sit in the bay of the window and actually turn round and look at the walls of your own house. If you can imagine that, sort of going and sitting in the bay, turning round mm. and looking at the walls of your house from yet within inside your own house. And, and I think actually by that, I think, I mean things like of being artists. I mean, some of the people who come and see me uh, uh, for, uh, for their spiritual journey bring lots of paintings that they've done and they show me their paintings. And this is because they've observed things about themselves yet from within themselves, quite clever, showing that they've got bay windows as well as stained glass and picture windows. But there again also, and uh, people don't like this suggestion, but I'll, I'll try it to see what our listeners make of it. Um, um, there are also what I would call attic windows or perhaps uh, cellar windows. Those windows that are a long way away from us normally and those that often rattle when the wind blows. Um, these are the sort of windows that I, I would describe as kind of um, our inner, um, darker world, the world that we don't talk about, the memories that we have inside ourselves that um, are a little bit too close to the bone. These windows are also invitations to discover. And when we do discover, that is also praying because it, it's it's listening to god the holy spirit the wind blowing and causing those rattling windows those buried memories that we we don't really want to pay attention to maybe a broken relationship in the past or uh, maybe uh, something that happened to us in our past that we we really don't want to look at um actually they are there and when they do rattle um, they we go and look at them and we explore them and this again I would suggest is prayer so if we look at the whole idea of a person being a house with many windows we can see that prayer is incredibly various and very very deep um, and indeed coming back to the point I said earlier about breathing you can't sort of switch it off um you know st paul says at one point pray without ceasing well fact chance i would say uh, that we have to stop praying at all to stop praying is to stop breathing so in a sense let's not be too precious about prayer i think the thing that often uh, depresses me most is that we we do tend to make prayer very, very holy and very, very special and very, very distinct and very quite esoteric. This is all bunkum. Prayer is as, as, as natural as breathing and we're all doing it. Religious people, non-religious people, atheists, the lot. We're all praying, probably without realizing it. Thank you, Tony. Thank you. I think that will be a great inspiration to some of our listeners who think that prayer is very hard work. And I hope that we've helped them 
um, in, our, in our various points of view. We hope you've enjoyed this podcast. This is the last one, as I said, um, and we really would appreciate some feedback from you to, if you'd like to tell us how you've enjoyed these podcasts and if you would appreciate more in the future. So thank you for listening. Goodbye.